Hey, this is Len Casper, the TV voice of the Chicago Cubs. You're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan. Well, Rhino, we're, we're probably either going to have to get rid of that bumper with Len or going to have to edit that thing down. Who would have thought in a week where we lose Kyle Schwarber, Lynn Casper is also no longer a Cub. I know, Chad. Probably the most shocking and biggest news for the Cubs this offseason. It didn't even come from on the field. This is a real tough pill to swallow, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, we're going to break that down from every angle. The Lynn Casper decision to move to the south side. We're going to talk about Kyle's departure, what may be next there. Albert Almora as well, and we're going to get into a whole bunch of other things, plus another big guest. Another big guest. That's right. Maddie Lee from NBC Sports Chicago. She's going to be talking about the Jed Hoyer promotion and what that means for the team this season and, of course, moving forward so stick around because here's len casper from when we spoke to him on our podcast the friendly confines about his favorite calls with the team and that starts right now oh there are a bunch uh, i would think the first home game uh against the brewers back in 2005 i had worked at wrigley previously but never in the home booth uh, that was a pinch me moment um, I think it was opening day 08. Uh, the Cubs actually lost the game in extra innings, but Kosuke Fukudome yep. in his Cubs debut hit a, a three-run homer in the ninth to tie it. Uh, I think of the Aramis Ramirez uh, walk-off against Milwaukee in 07. That kind of propelled Lou Pinella's club to uh, a division title that year. Uh, the Carlos Zambrano no-hitter uh, in Milwaukee. A lot of Milwaukee connections uh, against the Astros. <laughs> Uh, in 08, uh, the Chris Bryant three homer, two double game in Cincinnati. Jake Arietta's second no hitter in Cincinnati. Uh, there are a million of them. Hi, everybody. He's Chad Gordon. I'm Ryan Lieber. And let's start as we always do, Chad. And here is a sentence I thought I would never say to start this show Len Casper, as we begin the first inning off to the south side of Chicago to become the new play-by-play announcer for the Chicago White Sox, leaving the Marquee Network and the Cubs after 16 seasons to pursue his love of radio. Chad, this was a bombshell and easily the biggest story for the Chicago Cubs, and it didn't even happen on the field. What was your reaction when you heard Len Casper was leaving the Cubs for the White Sox? You know, you were the first one to send it to me on Thursday night, and I was absolutely shocked. I, I don't think anybody saw this coming. And, and the reason we're leading off this show, let's think about it. I mean, you know, Theo left. Lester's, you know, leaving. He's he's, he's no longer there. We, You know, we're going to talk about Schwarbs in just a second. But this hit hard. I mean, this hit hard. Lynn Casper's been the loud into our homes, um, and he's been a part of Chicago Cubs baseball as long as Harry Carey was a part of Chicago Cubs baseball. Um, absolute shock. It, it absolutely um, was nothing that I expected, mainly because I don't think anybody of us really thought that this wasn't Mecca for him. This is, wasn't where he wanted to eventually went. And, and I think you and I kind of traded some messages back and forth on the, on the Cubs Facebook page. And, you know, my take on this is, you know, Pat Hughes can be in his role for many, 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 many years, the face of a TV broadcast, that doesn't necessarily happen. 
and Major League Baseball radio gigs come up so infrequently. And for Lynn Casper being a, a Chicago guy who's lived in Chicago for most of the last you know two decades, um, this is an amazing opportunity for him. So this is a career move for him. But for Cubs fans, right, this hurts, doesn't it? It definitely hurts. And, you know, Chad, it's interesting because prior to Len getting the job, we can basically count on our hands and basically on maybe one hand, who were the announcers of our youth when it came to the Chicago Cubs? Now, you and I are a little too young, at least I am, for Jack Brickhouse. Like, I didn't, I didn't watch Jack Brickhouse when he was the announcer for the Cubs. I didn't watch Milo Hamilton. Harry Carey was the announcer for the Cubs. And back then, Chad, as you remember, the play-by-play guy did both TV and radio. So Harry really dominated both sides of, you know, the microphone in that way. And not only that, I can count on one hand the, the other radio guys that the Cubs had prior to Pat, right? It was Dwayne Stats. It was Josh Lewin. Mm-hmm. It was Tom Brennan. And, and that was basically it. And then Steve Stone was the color guy. And then, of course, Chip Carey was the TV guy for the Cubs. And then Len. Like, that's the list, right? And this is all pre-social yeah. media as well, Chad. And now we're seeing the first time that a Cubs announcer is leaving the team in this respect. And it's blowing up, like, in a way that you and I have never seen before. Because prior to this, when, let's say, Stoney and Chip Carey left, there was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. There was none of that that there is today that we're seeing the people just absolutely destroyed by this move. I, 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 I hate to say this, but there is a part of me. I'm not suggesting that Len Casper doesn't love radio and doesn't love Ernie Harwell and has always dreamed of being that guy who can announce baseball on the radio. Cause there is something to it. Right. But there is a part of me that certainly does believe at the same time that this wasn't necessarily the cleanest exit either. I'm not suggesting that Len Casper was going to be forced out or that he was going to lose his job, but I think we can both agree that while there were some aspects of the marquee network that I think were really good, there were definitely some things about the marquee network that I think did not work well. There was a lot of chatter about the dress code, the three-man booth, the way that they had to go and do a broadcast. The White Sox treat their broadcasters really well. I mean, Hawk Harrelson and Tom Pachorek and Don Drysdale and now Jason Benetti, like, that's the list, Chad, right? That is it. Ed Farmer, those are the guys. So I think that we are going to see a situation where, as you said, Len is going to be there for the long haul unless he wants another TV job for a team. But it really was a shocker to me because a lot of people felt like he was leaving a better opportunity for an opportunity, which is also great, but maybe just not as great of an opportunity. And so I have to think that there is some behind the scenes stuff that we will never know that maybe just maybe had a little bit of a hand in this. And, and I'm sorry to be long winded with this, but I, I feel like that to me played a role in this, whether we want to believe it or not. I appreciate that. And my only you know take on that, there's a tremendous article in the, in the athletic uh, this afternoon, and it really outlined it was a love fest from everybody involved. 
And you're right. They could just be saying the right things because they wanted to make a move. But from my perspective, Lynn Casper, I think he had to go to bat to get this job. I think he forced the hand to do this. And you're right. Maybe there's some inside things we're not aware of. But at the end of the day, if Lynn Casper wants to be broadcasting baseball, he's coming up on 50. If he wants to do it into his 80s for the next 30 years, he's probably not going to be the TV guy. Um, for the Chicago Cubs, and who knows what happens after Pat. But great takes. Uh, Lynn's got to be missed. So let's talk a little bit more about Lynn. So, Ryan, you know, he's been with us for a number of years, uh, parts of two decades. And uh, when he was on the show, he outlined all the great calls um, that, that really stuck out for him. When you think about Lynn, what's what's your favorite Well, you call? know, I'm kind of at a little bit of a disadvantage, Chad, as I guess you are too, but, you know, maybe you've been able to watch more than I have. Because I've been living in South Florida the entire time, Len had been doing games. I didn't unfortunately get to see a lot of the local broadcast. The most of the time I would see the Cubs, it was on national TV. And I never got that opportunity to see Len unless he was maybe the Fox broadcaster for that specific game. Um, I, I remember the, the Bodie game. That one to me, I felt like was a lot of fun. Um, I think the calls that he had of, you know, home runs for the game winners that he had. Um, He always just had a way about him that um, made the fan just feel excited and relaxed at the same time. Um, And that's what I think he's going to do for White Sox fans as well. So I'm sorry to kind of slither out of not giving a a good answer. But for me, um, I, I feel like he was just always on a good call giving you Um, that moment to feel great when something great happened for the Cubs and do it in a way that was not over the top, but yet at the same time, get excited and and make you feel just as important that you are a part of that as well. What about you? You know, what I loved is when he was on the podcast, he outlined his favorite moments. I think he listed off seven and this is where I humble brag and say I was at five of those seven <laughs> events, so I didn't hear Lynn do it. I was actually at those opening day, you know, home run to tie it off. I was I was at the the opening day in sixteen where he said it was you know shaking like crazy that was going to come the house was going to come down. I was at Ramirez's walk off. Uh, he mentioned Arietta's second one. I was at his. He didn't mention that one. Um, you know what I can uh, just say about his calls is this: it's a compliment to the Joe Bucks of the world, which Cubs fans seem to just universally hate because Lynn Casper is such a fan voice and he never gets in the way of the game. I'm not saying Joe does. I'm saying Lynn is there to broadcast Cubs baseball and he did it in such an incredibly um, fan friendly way that it was that there, you never saw him spoke about in a negative way in social media. People were behind Lynn and, and he did such an amazing job of bringing the stories to life, not over, you know, not overpowering home run calls, living in the emotion, no matter what that was. And, and, you know, it was something that really stuck to me, you know, you stuck out to me rather was there aren't any postseason calls for Lynn. Cause you know, he doing any here and there for radio because TV shuts down in the postseason. There's no more local TV. That's another reason why Lynn said, Hey, I want to be doing all the games. I don't want to take any days off. You know, and, and, and to be able to do that is on the radio side. So tremendous uh, uh, professionalism, uh, great storytelling, great does a great job when they're up by 10 or when they're down by 10. You, you never wanted to turn off the TV. They're, every one of our listeners, if they had a choice between the ESPN game and the local game, they absolutely watched the local broadcast and hated 
when the national uh, crew took over the entire thing. Yep, very true. So let's move to the third inning, Chad. And I guess it now begs the question, who will the Cubs hire? So the leader in the clubhouse from reports is our good friend, Chris Myers, which would be excellent. He's already with the Marquee Sports Network. But I'll pose this to you, Chad. If you had your choice of who you would like to see the Cubs hire, who would you like? And if it is Chris Myers, that's great. But I would also like you to say a couple of other names if you think Myers would be the guy. Who else would you like to see in that conversation? Go ahead and start. Ryan, I'm not going to – I'll let you play that game um, with with, with sharing some names out there in the industry. I think you follow very specifically people that are kind of in the farm system or in different areas. You know, you're right. Chris is is mentioned because there's always that interesting thing about why was – why was Chris hired? You know, why was he there? Because we, we have Lynn Casper. That was always the thought. And, and if you remember in the podcast, Chris tells us, you know, uh, uh, Bill Murray reached out to the head of Marquee and said, you got to get Chris Myers involved. And then the Marquee calls because of Bill Murray. And then Chris Myers takes the job. Um, and if we would add 162 game season, there would have been times that Lynn would have been doing national broadcast or had other duties. And that's when Chris would have come in. Chris is a tremendous broadcaster. He's fantastic. He's if you if you take if you say Joe Buck is the number on Fox, Chris Myers the number two. He's always doing the big games. Always seems to be up at Lambeau or does a lot of central games. So we see those guys. Lives out here in California, um, and so that I think for that reason alone, he is a California guy. I don't know if, if he's going to relocate for this job, um, and I don't know if the, he's in the running for the job to be to be to be honest. But what I'll share with you, who do I think is going to get the job? I don't know. I don't know the name who's probably going to get this job. Here's why. I didn't really know Lynn Casper before he got the job. This is probably the biggest job that's available right now in all of broadcasting, and they're going to be looking long and hard for somebody. Um, Craig Kinney said earlier today, we've got to find somebody that doesn't fit the culture of marquee. We need to find somebody that fits Cubs culture, and this is not going to be an easy decision. No decision has been made. I'm paraphrasing Crane. But basically, the search is on, and every single agent of anybody who has the ability to get in front of that broadcast booth, um, they're going to put their name forward, and I think Marquis is going to have the pick of the litter. But I'm not going to name any names. I don't think Chris Myers is going to be the pick, and I don't think he's actually being looked at. Interesting. Okay. Um, I, uh, you know, I certainly have no reason not to believe you. I think Chris would be a fine pick, as you said. He's an excellent announcer, and he already has ties to the Marquee Sports Network. You, you kind of hit it on the head, Chad. I mean, there's like four jobs in Major League Baseball that I guess come to mind for me that are like the plum job. I mean, every job in Major League Baseball as an announcer yeah. is, is a yeah. plum job. But the top four, right, for, for my money, in no particular order, this is just top four, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Yankees, and the Cardinals. I, I guess those yeah. would be the four, right, that you think about like those are the dream scenarios for announcers and yes this cubs job is like in the running as one of the top four and one through four you can make a decision i I think it's number one because obviously we love the cubs um if you're a yankees fan you probably think the yankees are number one so with that being said um you you're right there is a wide search and a wide net that they can now cast um for this job i can tell you that the last time that this search was open Dave O'Brien and Matt Vaskersian were the two guys they were looking at before Len. Um, And as far as I'm concerned, I love Matt Vaskersian. I think he is excellent on ESPN. 
he would be a guy that I would absolutely try to see if I could get him to be the Cubs announcer full time. I would, I, I know how much he loves Wrigley Field and he loves the Cubs organization. Manta Excursion would be a lot of fun on the Marquee Sports Network. The other name, Chad, and not a name that a lot of people have thrown around, but I understand why, but why not give a crack to Bob Costas? I mean, he's arguably the greatest living broadcaster out there right now. He's on MLB Network. He's not working full-time. I understand that maybe he's at an age in his life where he doesn't want to do 162 games, so that makes sense, but at least throw it out there. And I guess if we're just talking about dream scenarios, those would be the two dream scenario guys that I would throw out there. I don't know who or what that would look like, but those two guys certainly would top my quote unquote dream list. And then, yeah, you mentioned before, you know what, Alex Cohen, our friend of the podcast, who's the triple A announcer for the Iowa Cubs and Mick Gillespie, who's the double A announcer for the Tennessee Smokies. Both have been on our podcast, both excellent guys. And when you, you know, as, as we both know, Chad, when you work and try to pay your dues in this industry, the goal is to eventually get to the top. I certainly feel like either one of those guys, while not big names, they certainly would be more than capable of handling the position of being the top dog at the marquee network should that come. So on a sentimental level, I would choose one of those two guys. But on a dream level, Costas and Vascursion would be the guys for me. Well, Rhino, let's move on to the fourth inning, and it is a week of loss. And and who would have thought, because this fourth inning – would have been our first inning if we had recorded on Thursday. Um, but alas, this is where it is. And uh, there's some big decisions that happened on December 2nd. And that's when Major League Baseball teams have an opportunity for players uh, under contract in arbitration, whether they're going to retain them or whether they're going to non-tender them, which basically means release them and not owe any money. And uh, we'll talk about the folks that stuck around, but... Uh, some big names did not stick around, and, and I won't belabor the point, but um, the biggest name of all, Kyle Schwarber, and you could also put Albert Almora Jr. in there as, as, as a name that, that has been with the, the team for a very long time. But, uh, Ronald, what did you think when you heard the Cubs were not going to retain Kyle and Albert? Well, I think we knew something was coming, right, Chad? It was just who yeah. was that going to be? And we had kind of heard whispers throughout the offseason that, or rather towards the end of the season that, Schwartz could be a guy who was on his way out. Something needs to change. We clearly have seen a team, unfortunately, that hasn't peaked the way that we thought they would after the 2016 championship. And I know that Theo loves Kyle and the fans love Kyle. And certainly he will always have that Paul Bunyan reputation in the World Series where he came back from an injury and played amazing in the World Series. But other than hitting some really far home runs, Chad, we just don't really have a place for Kyle Schwarber. He doesn't hit for average. He strikes out a lot, plays average left field. Mind you, he has gotten better. But unfortunately, maybe a change of scenery is just best for all parties in this way. Albert Almora never really was able to kind of get himself out of that funk once he Um, was dealing with that situation where he hit the fall ball into the stands in Houston and injured a a child. I I remember that really shook him up and he wasn't able to kind of get his groove back. Um, And I just think these are two moves that at the end of the day, we, we needed to see 
to just shake something up. But there is the possibility. Maybe we see Kyle Schwarber back in a Cubs uniform on a friendly deal. We'll have to see, but I'm not holding out hope. What about you? You know, it was uh, what I'll say about Albert. And, and I've always appreciated Albert. I've, I've had a chance to meet him in the past. Um, this was a guy, um, I, I believe, the first draft pick of, of, of Theo's era. Um, this is a guy that got every chance, every single chance to be the starting uh, outfielder, starting center fielder for the Chicago Cubs and, and had that role for a while, um, but just could not turn the corner, could not turn into a capable hitter. Um, and his stats show that he wasn't an above average outfielder, but, um, but he had a lot of the tools. He just never could move forward. There's a lot of discussion now about how poor the Cubs are actually at developing players. Because a lot of the a lot of these other organizations will get some some diamonds in the rough and turn them into superstars, and the Dodgers have done an amazing job of that. But the Cubs, maybe they are the one that did a disservice. You you talked about Theo loved Albert. You got to wonder maybe you know any love Kyle rather. Um, you know maybe Theo just couldn't couldn't uh, stand to be here to to be the one to release him. You know and and what I'll say about Kyle, I absolutely love Kyle Schwarber. Um, he means the world to me for what he did for Cubs baseball, what he brought to the table, his stance um, in, in the batter's box and how you just felt like he could do something that you'd never seen before. You don't get that often with many, many athletes. When Chris Bryant's up, you don't think that when Kyle's up, you thought anything was possible. Such a down year this year. This is my memory and my thought of Kyle Schwarber. There will never be and there never has been another player in the history of Major League Baseball that did what Kyle Schwarber did in that 2016 season. There will, that'll never happen again. And it's, it's still stunning to me. It's a Disney movie. It's a Disney movie waiting to happen. If Kyle Schwarber never does anything again, he's legendary for playing two games in the regular season and defying all odds, working rehab through a torn ACL and an MCL shattered knee coming back to bat. 450 some in the world series it just it, that these things are only done in in disney movies and so um such an amazing testament to what he was able to do but what he was able to do uh in that 10th inning in game seven was hit for contact contact through a very aggressive shift and so uh, for the ones that don't remember kyle let off that inning was immediately pulled for a pinch runner, which was Albert Almora, the very next batter, Chris Bryant hits it to the wall. Almoro smartly tags up. Not everybody does in that situation. Slides in under the throw, and the rest is history. He's the go-ahead run when Zobers hits the double herd around the world after Rizzo gets walked. So, you know, those two guys are always going to be a part of Cubs lore. A very sad day. Um, I, I feel like we're going to see a lot more of Kyle Schwarber um, wherever he lands. <laughs> he, he might come back to even haunt the Cubs. You never yeah, know. Yeah. So let's move on to the fifth inning, Chad. And the players that did get tendered contracts include Javi Baez and Chris Bryant. Of course, some folks didn't know if Bryant was going to be even tendered a contract, which is, seems unfathomable if you were to ask that to somebody five years ago. But here we are today. Um, obviously, the core of this team is still intact, but for how much longer, Chad, do you think Chris Bryant may be around? Do you think there's a possibility he might even get traded in this offseason, if not during the season? What do you think? My take on this hasn't really changed. Chris Bryant doesn't have a lot of value right now. 
not only because he had a, a rough season this last year, he had a rough season because it was very injury marred. I mean, he he struggled a little bit the year before injury marred, but he put up some strong numbers at, at points uh, that makes you realize that yes, this guy from a lifetime average from 2015 on is is a a, a fantastic above average player by every single metric. It it's frustrating because it comes down to with COVID, it was it was the injuries one half, but then it was COVID on the other half. COVID is impacting a lot of financial decisions right now. There's not a team in baseball that didn't lose a bundle of money. And I know nobody wants to hear that, but also it's a business and they are in business to generate a profit. And so many things are at work from fans in the stands to TV contracts, all these different things that were really hindered this last year. And so with Schwarber, it made sense where the numbers crunchers looked at his statistics, where there's, there's actually financial value to what this player is worth. And his arbitration number was going to be higher than what they could have got, what he'll get on the open market. Chris Bryant was actually pretty good. It doesn't make any sense to release him unless you truly need to drop, you know, 18 to $20 million. And thankfully, I see this as a positive. The Cubs didn't throw in the towel to save 18 or $20 million. This is Chris's last year on this contract. And I think he's the type of guy that is going to want to go out, be a world beater, no matter what this season looks like in terms of length and what COVID does to it. But we're in the better situation if he is aggressively trying to play for his next contract with the Cubs or playing out of his shoes. And if the Cubs are not looking like they're going to be world beaters, if he's playing out of his shoes, they can get some return right now. They can't get a penny for him. It would be a very weak trade. Yeah, I mean, I tend to think that uh, you're you're on board. I'm on board with you about that. I agree that this is a team that right now, and especially a player in Chris Bryant, let him play it out. Let's see how he looks. And if he actually does look pretty good this year, you know, there's two scenarios. And I've kind of said this before. If Bryant's playing really well and the Cubs aren't, well, then you can trade him to a contender and you can get something in return for him. If the Cubs are playing great, and Bryant's playing pretty well, and the Cubs maybe need some more pieces to get over the top, you could possibly trade Chris Bryant there too. Or you can just keep him. I I don't feel like either way, though, that the Cubs are going to hang on to him in the end. I I really feel like at the end of the day, I know as much as this may pain people, I I don't see a scenario where Chris Bryant is going to end up with this team long-term. I just don't. But Javi, on the other hand, this is the future of the franchise. And I think that whatever may happen, Javi's going to try and figure out the, the issues that he had last year to try and rectify and get back to that form in 2018 that we saw a player who was, you know, one of the top players in baseball and one of the most exciting players in baseball offensively. Defensively, he hasn't missed a step. He looks fantastic. But, um, I, I mean, this team certainly needs to see better offensive output from Javi Baez if this team is going to make any move this offseason to be one of the better teams in the National League. So hopefully they can at least figure that out. But I think so far from what we've seen from the non-tendered and tendered contracts, everything, at least in my mind, Chad, has gone according to plan. You know what? I don't normally do this, Ryan. It's my first hot take, I think, of the 2021 season. I think Schwarber was was moved out so that Chris Bryant can spend all of this coming year in left field, take that over, and then Nolan Arenado. I think I think the Cubs go big. I think that's Jed's first first move. We bring him in and get some salary relief. What do you think? 
I mean, listen, I'm not going to argue with that. I'm, I would love to see it, right? I would Cubs fans go nuts? Yeah, I mean, what else would you need at that point? One more no. pitcher. Yeah, definitely would need pitching. But, yes, I mean, offensively, you got arguably the most – you know, powerful third baseman in baseball, um, you know, next to Manny Machado. I, I mean, that guy is, is a beast. Yeah. So I would love to see it. But again, so far, all signs, as far as I'm concerned, point to the Ricketts, and we'll get into this, uh, not pulling a trigger on a big contract like that. But I hope I'm proven wrong. I hope Jed's listening. If he hasn't thought of that already, Jed, call me. I've got some ways to work that out financially. So let's move on to the sixth inning. And, and Ryan, I'll get your take. You talked about Javi. You talked about Chris. Some other players that were retained, uh, Ian Happ, uh, both catchers, Victor Caratini and Wilson Contreras. And already, speaking of the hot stove in the rumor mill, we're already hearing a lot of words about, uh, you know, the most valuable player on the team in terms of trade value, probably one of the best catchers in all of baseball right now, Wilson Contreras. Do you think if the Cubs are trying to rebuild that farm system, the Cubs are trying to pick up some, some cost-controlled pieces, do you see a world where Wilson, days at the Chicago Cubs are numbered. I do, Chad, and I'll tell you why, and you hit it on the head. He is the most valuable trade asset you have right now in this organization who can get you something in return. You already have Victor Caratini, who can play catcher pretty regularly and has shown that he's got some pop in his bat. And then Miguel Amaya, who's in the minor leagues, who might not right now be ready for the majors, but ultimately is going to be the catcher of the future for this franchise. So if you can trade Wilson Contreras and get some solid farm system parts in return, I'm not going to hate that. Yes, I love Wilson's bat. And yes, he's amazing defensively. And man, do he and Javi put together a one-two punch defensively when you're throwing out guys on base. But I'm not going to hate it, Chad, if Jed decides to jettison Wilson Contreras. What about you? I still believe, and 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 I feel so strongly about this, why would Jed come into play if he felt like he had to start throwing pieces away this year? Now, if there could be a haul of a return with Wilson that would hurt, um, but would would bring somebody in that that could you know, do a service, serviceable job as, as, the, as the backstop, then then that's fantastic. Let, work your magic if you're going to do that. But this is an opportunity, a last dance, final hurrah, so many different players on their contract year. This is the opportunity to go for broke and give them one opportunity to show that they have the ability. They won the division this last year. Can they do enough to get over the top and actually play with a bit more, um, a bit more uh, urgency? And so, you know, moving Wilson, it would have to be for quite a haul. And so, again, I would support that because it is a business and you need to continue to put more pieces into place. Um, And he might be the one that draws the most pieces. But um, I don't think this team is going to be sold for scraps. I think they're going to get an opportunity to prove that they have an opportunity to compete in the 2021 season. But I will tell you, if it's very clear they aren't showing it, I think there might be a short leash if there's trade value out there, but don't forget how poor the Washington Red, uh, the Washington Red, Washington Nationals rather were um, midway through the the 2019 season or the 2018 season rather before they absolutely blew it up and uh, and and dominated all the way to the World Series. And I feel uh, very much a part of the Cubs family, not only with the team, uh, with the new network but with the fans in general. And when people say that I am a part of their daily 
uh, life uh, in, in terms of three to four hours a day, my voice is pumped into their household. Uh, I don't take that lightly. Chad, the 2020 baseball season is over. And of course, now we just have to wait till February. Less than 100 days away until spring training begins, we hope, but, you know, not that I'm counting. Well, as we wait for the upcoming season, now is a perfect time to enjoy some Federalist wine. It's an American wine crafted for the only tasting note that matters, and that's damn good taste. It's a bold choice with baseball or any sport. You can pair it with any food you desire, and if you go to uncork.com right now, that's uncork.com, and use the code cubs 20 you get 20% off your total purchase. That's absolutely right. Chad drinks it. I drink it. So you should, of course, drink it too. This is Federalist Wine. This is an American craft wine. So as Chad said, go to uncork.com, use the promo code CUBS20, and get 20% off your purchase. Must be 21 years or older to consume alcohol. Please drink responsibly. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. And this week, a great guest, as we always have wonderful guests. We're excited to talk to Maddie Lee of NBC Sports Chicago. She's the digital reporter for the Chicago Cubs. And, of course, you can see her on NBC Sports for various things that she is working on as well. Maddie, welcome to the seventh inning stretch with Ryan and Chad on the Friendly Confines. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad we could get this going. I am so happy to have you. Of course, a lot to talk about. And of course, you can find Maddie on Twitter at Maddie underscore M underscore Lee. If you want to follow her there, great content. And of course, a wonderful follow. So let's start here, Maddie. Obviously, Jed Hoyer addresses the media for the first time since he's been promoted to team president. What were your initial and biggest takeaways from the news conference with Jed Hoyer? Yeah, I think... Not a lot of surprises, right? We got some news about assistant coaches and things like that and some great anecdotes about him and Theo. I think overall what I was most interested going into it was trying to hash out, all right, how is this going to be different from the last regime? Obviously, they've worked very closely for so many years, but they've always kind of blurred the lines between whose idea was whose, you know, who pushed for which trades. And so it'll be really interesting to see how Jed kind of charts his own path at this point. I think we're starting to see some of it. I know both him and Theo talked about kind of his leadership style being a little different and being a great conversationalist. But I think we'll get to see a lot more of that as this offseason goes on. So you said it, you kind of said that, is this going to be a different regime? Is it going to be seamless? Is that maybe your takeaway from the standpoint or, or maybe your prediction that you think this is going to be a seamless transition? We're going to see more of what we've seen over the past nine years, kind of how Theo has run things, or do you feel like this is going to get shaken up and we're going to see a completely different run baseball franchise over at least the next five years? That's a good question. I think I think when we if you're talking about who will be back next year and kind of what the the roster itself will look like. I think we're 
heading into a new era, <laughs> to, to put it uh, like that. I think we'll see a lot of moves. I don't think that this point in time is a time where they can just stand pat. Granted, we'll see what the market looks like. That's going to dictate a lot of this. Um, but in terms of how the front office is run, I think there will certainly be some similarities. You know, Jed has had his influence on the franchise all along, and he's worked so tightly with Theo that he's, you know, gleaned some things from watching Theo himself grow into his role. But I think there will be places where Jed can really put his stamp on things, whether it's because he has, he approaches it different or just because of the era that the Cubs are in. And I think a big opportunity for that has been, you know, where the Cubs have really kind of failed in the Theo Epstein era. Obviously so many great things about that era, so much success, but they haven't, and you guys know this full well, they haven't been able to develop homegrown pitching. And I think we've already seen Jed kind of take the reins on this development restructuring. And so that can be a place where he can really put his stamp. Maddie Lee is our guest here on the seventh inning stretch of the friendly confines. Of course, let's let's talk about players a little bit, Maddie. And uh, Chris Bryant's name has, of course, come up once again as a potential uh, trade bait or partner, so to speak, that he might be on his way out. In your gut, I know it's hard to say, but do you think when this is all said and done, come 2021, Chris Bryant will be on another baseball team next year? I think it's more down to what the market will look like and what other teams' interests will be as opposed to what the Cubs are willing to do. I think they, the Cubs themselves have been pretty open about, honestly, for years, saying, hey, no one's really off limits. And I think this season, that's true more than any other. Jed said, you know, it's always – this job is always keeping one eye on the present, one eye on the future, but because of some of the realities of the way that this team is structured right now, he's going to have to keep more of an eye on the future, right? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. So gut feeling, I'm going to say when the season begins, he will still be on the team, but maybe it's a trade deadline trade where just because – things are so uncertain right now. And so those big moves are going to be harder. You're, you're going to have to find a willing partner in this, right? And the financial situation, even just the rules are so up in the air for next year. And so maybe once things settle down a little bit, teams get a better sense of what kind of attendance they'll be able to have and all of that. Maybe then it'll be easier to find a team that's ready to make a move like that. Would it be the worst thing in the world to blow this team up and restructure for the future and get the farm system to a place where we have, or I should say the Cubs have those high level prospects again? Or do you feel like it is the responsibility of this front office to continue to try to tweak what is already there and try to contend to maybe pull out you know, some 
good playoff runs and possibly get to another World Series. Where do you stand on that in the grand scheme of how you think it could be laid out and what sort of dynamic that Jed looks at when it's all said and done and says, maybe it's not such a bad idea to uh, start over again. If this was a small market team, I immediately would say, yes, blow, blow, blow it up, start over. You know, this core has run its course, start kind of the process that Theo started when he first got here over again. But in the last nine years, you know, progressively, Jed and Theo have absolutely raised the bar, right? Cub, Cubs fans, Cubs ownership, all of that are no longer being lovable losers is no longer acceptable, right? So I think, A, it works to their advantage because when you're trying to bring in free agents, Chicago is a really easy city to sell. You know, this storied franchise is a really easy sell. But along with that comes those higher expectations. So I don't think that they should keep everything, this core completely intact and, you know, continue trying to year after year make the playoffs with this group. I think that would be a mistake. And I think you'd eventually have to do the full reset if you're trying to draw this out. But I do think there is pressure to even as you're going through not quite a rebuild, but I'm not sure if there's a better word to describe it. Um but to, to essentially have a few bridge years in a row where you are looking to the future and you are trying to move some of those big pieces to build that new core, that next core. But I don't think that Chicago at this point would be satisfied with tanking. Sure. I understand. I, I totally agree. Maddie Lee is our guest from NBC Sports Chicago, and you can find her on Twitter at Maddie underscore M underscore Lee. So be sure to check her out there. Um, I don't know how much was discussed about this during the news conference, Maddie, so maybe you can fill in the gap for me. But the role of the general manager right now, there is no general manager is your assumption that Jason McLeod will eventually be promoted or do you see Jed going to the outside and bringing in maybe a fresh pair of eyes to run this team as the general manager? What, what was the feeling at all? If you got any sort of that in the news conference? Yeah, so Jed actually did address this in the news conference. And I, you know, I, think maybe somewhat surprisingly he said he expects to hire from the outside he is excited about you know I, I think part of this is because they have they do have so much continuity moving forward right with him taking over for Theo and so he says he really values getting that fresh perspective the timeline is still very much up in the air he didn't want to commit to anything I think probably so that he doesn't end up in a similar situation as the Mets. Um, but it does look like right now, at least, he's thinking an outside hire. How quickly did it change in 2015? You know, the Cubs had uh, a pretty long stretch of losing baseball. And then all of a sudden they caught fire in 15 and then a year later win the World Series. Uh, they haven't had a losing season uh, since uh, 14 was the last time the Cubs had a losing record. 
And you know, I don't take that for granted. Uh, I appreciate all the good years, uh, even the, the, the years in which the Cubs uh, struggle. I, you know, I still get a lot of enjoyment out of those seasons just because I love the game so much. And our thanks to Maddie Lee of NBC Sports Chicago. She was absolutely wonderful, and we appreciate her time. And you can find her on Twitter at Maddie underscore M underscore Lee if you want to follow her for all the latest news with the Cubs. And, of course, Chad and I are both on Twitter, too. Chad is at the Chad Gordon. I am at Ryan D. Lieber. So please make sure to follow us there for all our latest updates and our Facebook page is also a great place where you can interact with us. The Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. Be sure to check us out and be a part of the group. All right, Ryan, let's move into the eighth inning. And and we had some kind of late-breaking news as we were recording this on on Friday. Major League Baseball, all 30 teams sue insurance providers citing billions of dollars in virus losses. They claim to have lost billions of dollars on unsold tickets, hundreds of millions on concessions, tens of millions on parking, millions more on suites, luxury seat license, in par- everything. And they're going hard after their insurance providers. Uh, and I think when people see this from the fans' perspective, they're going to say, so what, right? With all the changes, with everything's happening right now, and with all you know, losing John Lester, him not coming back, uh, um, the 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 issues with Kyle and and Almoro and some of the 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 people that you want to see back, people are blaming Lynn. How upset do you think people are with the Ricketts, and how less sympathy do they have with all of the 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 issues around money? I think people are starting to started getting sick of hearing about it, aren't they? Yes, no, 100%, Chad. What a difference four years makes, right? When the Ricketts were the greatest owners in the history of Chicago sports to now basically being relegated to, like, McCaskeyville, I think. Is that, like, where they're on par with right now? Um, it's pretty stunning. And I think what fans are most upset about, Chad, is the fact that some fans, and I think you and I included, feel like that when the Ricketts came here, they were going to invest in this team and they were going to provide a winner each and every year. I understand that COVID has done a number on so many owners and has really crippled, um, you know, franchises when it comes to losing employees. But let's not forget the Ricketts are still a billionaire organization. The Ricketts still have the marquee sports network. The Ricketts, renovated Wrigley Field and Wrigleyville to the point where they are making an access of what you would think would be money hand over fist. And when you start to see this team, you know, basically, you know, pleading poverty and saying we can't go out and sign these big names, you start to wonder if you've been sold a bag of goods. And I can understand, even though, yes, the Ricketts, we're the owners of a team that, you know, finally broke a 108-year curse and got that World Series championship, and I will forever be grateful. I can see why people are starting to get frustrated with this ownership group and that it's starting to really make a dent in how people are perceiving this family. So I can – I totally get it, and it's, it's upsetting not just from the standpoint of being a Cubs fan – but being a baseball fan in general, because you want to see your team not only be competitive, but be competing for World Series titles. And that's what I thought we were going to be seeing year in and year out. What about you? 
I I have a different take. I, I don't agree. I uh, I I'm not on the the side of of capitalism and corporate America, but I am on the side of the Ricketts in this one. And and I'll throw out a couple reasons why. Um, since 15, this team has lost um, one opportunity to go to the, the postseason because of an epic nine game swoon where they they just just fell on their face. Otherwise, they've been playoff contenders and they've been to three um, NLCSs. Um, during that time, since those NLCSs times, you could say, oh, well, maybe they aren't doing that. I, I, you know, maybe they're not spending money. But in 2018, when they didn't make the NLCS, they had they had three thousand. I'm sorry, three million dollars less than the Dodgers. So they were in fourth place in payroll in 2019. They were number two only to the Boston Red Sox by five thousand five million dollars rather. And in 2020, they had the third top payroll. So. I feel like it's it's disingenuous to to say that this is a front office that's not giving money to our ownership group rather is not giving money to its its front office to go out and make deals. They've made deals. Now it's not up to the Ricketts if they've made bad deals. They can't get upset because Jason Hayward's uh, holding up a lot of funds. They can't get upset about you know you Darvish when he was struggling. Um, but I feel like the front office has the funds to do what they need to do. And you're right. Um, the Ricketts have, uh, I saw those as accolades, what the Ricketts did for Wrigley field and, and basically ensured that it's going to be around for another century. I think that's a positive and that's a big investment that they made. Of course they are investing so they can make money on the back end, but they made that investment. No other ownership group has ever done that. And that's coming out of their, uh, their, their private coffers. Now, yes, it does really stink to see all of the Cubs front office and longtime employees get let go, but that's happening across the entire world of business including baseball no one's immune to what's going on with COVID so it's a different take um I do think a lot of people are you know upset people on 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 Twitter were yelling at the Ricketts about Lynn Casper they were yelling at the Ricketts about uh Kyle Schwarber I think it's just a popular the the ownership group is always going to be the villain until we get a GM that we don't like and so um I think there's money to be spent. We don't know that Jed Hoyer's not going to make a move this this season, this offseason rather. And we, what we do know is the offseason is going to be very weird. It was the last couple of years, and it's going to be very prolonged. So decisions that are going to be made, and and if any are going to be made, I think we're, we're probably weeks, maybe a couple months away. Yeah, and, and I understand your points, but I'll just say this. There are three teams in Major League Baseball that have their own television network, right? It's the Yankees, it's the Dodgers, and the Cubs. And the Dodgers and the Yankees are always out there spending money. And now the Cubs all of a sudden are putting their hands up saying, yes, sorry, we're not going back into the piggy bank to increase payroll like the Dodgers and the Yankees do. And that's where I think people are starting to feel like, wait a minute, why why are these teams able to do it when they have big networks like like we do and we're not able to put ourselves in the same – financial right. situations as they are and not feel that. And I, I understand where they're coming from on that. Yeah. But, 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 saying, but, do but you that's, feel that's part of it. Right. But do you, but do you really feel that the Ricketts and the Cubs really got the benefit of the marquee network and the financial windfall that, that the Yankees and the, I mean, the Dodgers literally got like $2.4 billion, you know, to distribute their own network. You know, the Cubs haven't gotten that windfall. So I think um, COVID was the worst thing that could have happened for the marquee when it did drop. So I think I, I hear you, and, but I don't really think they have the full benefit of the marquee network with a full season and a full ad slate and all those things. So I think, I mean, I, 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 I will say 
a top three payroll and you're saying if they're in the top three this last year and the only three with the networks, that kind of says they're doing what they should be doing, I think. All right. So let us finish up now in the ninth inning, Chad. And of course, we've talked about the losses of this team. We have talked about how the White Sox have gained uh, not just our broadcasters, but uh, a new manager in the news. And of course, in continuing to create a new team atmosphere as well. So it's an interesting question, Chad. Um, The Cubs are now starting to become the number two team in the city, in my opinion, with the White Sox starting to gain a lot more momentum. And I'm curious because you are a season ticket holder and maybe you'll have a different answer than I will. Would you consider, Chad, when you come to Chicago, ever checking out a White Sox game instead of a Cubs game? What do you think about that? And going to see the Southsiders maybe perform because they're a fun team as opposed to a Cubs team that maybe might not be as good. What do you think? I have been to whatever it's called, guarantee rate field. I've been there for a, a game where the, the the Cubs were not playing because I have friends that are that are White Sox and have invited me for a good time. I have never gone to the South Side because I just wanted extra baseball. I will never go to the South Side because I just want to see some good baseball. I'll go to the South Side if the Cubs are playing over there, absolutely, but – my heart, my allegiance, everything that I hold dear as a baseball fan is directed towards Clark and Addison and in Mesa. I have season tickets there as well. That's not going to change. And 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 the struggles of 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 everything going on right now and, and, and having just all the things we've talked about, you know, swirling around are nothing compared to two two or three of the worst seasons in Cubs history back to back to back where Theo was at the helm and I was a season ticket holder and writing a really big check, you know, that I just did my deposit for in the last week. And then you have to do the full amount in, in, in a, in a few months, I still wrote those checks because at the core, I, I say that with no, like there's no uppityness. I wrote those. I want to be a Cubs season t- ticket holder. I plan to be a Cubs season ticket. Holder. I want to be a Cubs season ticket holder when I'm retired. And uh, and that's not going to change. My allegiance isn't going to change. Good for the White Sox for investing and trying to have more of a consistent winner. Um, they've not had real consistent winning since the time that they, they won their their World Series. And so maybe they're going to put some effort into it and go on a good run. The Cubs have shown even you've got a good, strong core, it doesn't mean the magic pill. But I bet you there's not a White Sox fan alive that wouldn't trade places with the Cubs to have the last six seasons we've had. Well, I look at it a little differently. I have not been to a White Sox game, and I've not been to the South Side at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field. I'll just—I still call it Comiskey. I'm sorry, yeah, I don't care. It's the South. Um, it's, yeah. still, it's still Comiskey Park. <laughs> I have not been to Comiskey Park, Chad, in 28 years for a White Sox game. Okay, uh, self-admittedly, my family had season tickets to the White Sox in 1992. My father thought. At the time, it was a good investment because the White Sox were the better team then and that they were going to go to the playoffs and then we get playoff tickets and the whole nine yards. Well, unfortunately, my dad only bought it for one year. Didn't feel like we were going to enough games. And then, of course, in 1993, the White Sox made the playoffs. And that was the year that, of course, we did not get season tickets. So I have not been to a White Sox game in quite a long time because I, like you, I'm always wanting to go to a seat my Cubs play and I want to be a part of going to Wrigley and feel that experience. Cause I don't get that opportunity to go. I'm not going to sit here and say that I wouldn't go to a Cubs game. If I came to Chicago to bypass that and go to a Sox game. However, 
I kind of am intrigued by this White Sox team. I got to be honest. With Tony LaRusso, with this young core, they're going to be a fun team to watch. And, and I'm telling you, as I've said before, they're going to be the team this coming year that is going to get, I think, more ink than the Cubs. I think that's just a plain fact. I, I'm not trying to say that there's like a, a turn in the city, but, you know, the White Sox are kind of going to be the it team when it comes to baseball. That's just that's just really how it is. We're seeing an era of Cubs baseball where, listen, we had an amazing five-year run. And I'm not to say that the Cubs aren't going to have a shot next year. They may, they may not. But the White Sox, I think, have the um, much higher – uh, ceiling, if you will, to basically make a you know some some moves to get to not only the postseason, but to get to the World Series. So with that, I'd be open to going to see the White Sox. I'm not sitting here saying I'm rooting for the White Sox, but I'd be curious to see some good baseball um, and and watch them play a game um, if it meant to kind of see what that was all about. And I haven't been to like I said, maybe it's different for me than it is for you because you are a season ticket holder and two you have been to the, the, the ballpark much more recently than I have. Like I said, I mean, we're talking, I was 16 years old the last time I went to Comiskey Park. So maybe that's my perspective. That's just a little bit different in that regard. I appreciate that. And, and, you know, living as I do, I get to spend a lot of time in Southern California. I never pass up an opportunity to see the Padres play. And I've seen some really bad Padre teams play. I love baseball. I think you love baseball. I get your point. But no, if I'm in Chicago, I'll just wait for the next Cubs game because uh, there's a lot of those and I don't want to miss after this layoff and knowing that I'm going to go nearly two years between Cubs games, hopefully not that long, but it, like 21 months, I don't want to miss another opportunity anytime the Cubs are playing at Wrigley Field. That means too much. Under, to me. under Understood. Well, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Friendly Confines. Hey, who says that there's nothing going on in the offseason? Because I feel like we have been jam-packed since jam-packed. the season ended. So that is going to do it for this episode. For Chad, I am Ryan. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. See you at the ballpark. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same. When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field. The first time you walk into Riga.